Amy McCarthy. Hi, I'm Donica Meyer. And we are your hosts of the Nurse Life Podcast. So today on the Nurse Life Podcast, we are so honored to have Rachel Barbie. She is a recent University of Texas at Tyler BSN graduate. Congratulations, Rachel. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) She is currently president of the Texas Nursing Students Association and will be for one more month before she hands that title over. She is looking forward to entering the nursing profession. And we're going to talk a little bit today just about her experiences as a graduating senior in this time of COVID and see where she hopes to go in the future and just the impact of this overall pandemic on her last couple of months. So Rachel, welcome to our show. Hi. We are so honored to have you here, Rachel, and we're excited to hear your story. So thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. So first question we have for you, Rachel, is uh, can you give us a brief handoff on your career so far, just why you wanted to become a nurse, your journey through nursing school, and where you're headed? My aha moment actually happened when I was in eighth grade. We were in our science class, Mr. Pollard was teaching, and he was talking about um, the human life cycle, and he started really, really simply with, I mean, of course, he wasn't using like blastula and stuff like that, but um, he was explaining how the blastula builds and builds and builds, and then it finally makes a tube, and that is what starts your digestive system, and I thought that was the coolest thing (laughs) that I'd ever heard in my life, and then so I was like, all right, well, like, obviously, bodies are where at that I finished up at UT and it was it was really it was great I like I I know everybody talks about how nursing school is horrible and of course it is but I enjoyed so much about what I was learning about I didn't really mind it too much other than the hectic schedule sure. like um actually sitting down to study like I I was the freak that read the chapters I liked nursing school a lot. I didn't even understand what I was going to be exposed to when I started. And I don't think anybody really does. You don't understand what you're fixing to get exposed to, you know. After that, I started doing the TNSA presidency out of a recommendation from one of my teachers. I've learned, and it's a quote that I actually took from her that I've used a few times, that um, she told me, she was like, you're a leader, whether you like it or not, so stop (laughs) fighting it. (laughs) Just embrace it. And then so I decided, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I can do this, you know. And after a horrible, painful campaign speech, (laughs) I got elected, and I learned a lot professionally during that too. I didn't, again, didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I learned a lot about running an organization and being somewhat of, I guess, all volunteer basis. No, I wasn't, no one was getting paid, but being a a superior to someone or a, um, someone that's like, Hey, what do we do? And I don't know either. (laughs) But, um, welcome to leadership. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) There's a certain point where you get there and you're like, Oh God, like there's so much to do now knowing that, you know, like the main goal, although to be the best nurse that I can be, will be to just go to work and go home is great. I'm like exploring hobbies. I've read books. It's awesome. So that's me. That's me so far. Personally, I like to um, hike. I like to be outside. I'm desperately wanting to go to Central Texas again to go camping. That's awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much for sharing with us. It sounds like you've done a lot of stuff. And um, just your story about high school, I heard that and I was like, she is definitely a nurse. I don't know anybody else who can be excited about something like that. Oh my goodness. And um, yeah, it's totally unique for you to open up a textbook and 
think of it as a, a story. So you are definitely in the right profession. Continuing on your conversation with TSNA, um, since you've served as a president this past year, what motivated you to get involved in the first place? And why do you think it's important for other students to be involved in something like that? Um, like I said, it was initially off of the recommendation from one of my teachers. I was already active on the local chapter and, and either she was like trying to get me out of her hair or she realized potential, we'll never know. But um, she um, she told me I should do it and I was like, oh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the state level or the national level of the Student Nurses Association at that time. And so I was really intimidated, but the more I looked into it, I was like, you know what, I mean, what's it gonna hurt? After I got elected, I realized that there's a lot of formalities in place and you have to learn how to run a nonprofit and operate meetings in parliamentary procedure, which still makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I would just say what motivated me to do it was mostly um, wanting to have a bigger influence. I really appreciated the challenge. I'm one of those people like in my easier courses in my prereqs, I would do worse grade-wise because it's not a challenge, so therefore I'm not worried about it. So the more challenged I am, I've learned that the better outcomes that I have. So I figured I should amp it up a notch. And for other students though, I would say, even if you're not born and bred leadership, you can still be in the local or even the state level board and you can still have a lot of influence on what you're interested in. Like, not everybody has to be the president. It is a lot of leadership and it's a lot of understanding and working through issues. But you could be the secretary and still have influence and be in that leadership and work together as a team and not have, like, the weight of the world, you know. And it's not as overwhelming as some people might make it out to be. At the local chapter, every year we'd have like an influx of people attending the meetings right before graduation because they want that resume buff. And so like, I understand and to say that that putting, I was the TNSA president on my resume does not give me a leg up. Like that would be really naive to say, but I took a lot more from it than that. I can honestly say that my leadership and management class was a lot easier because I'd already had to deal with a lot of the stuff that I did. Yeah. I Definitely. That's, that's amazing. And you know, in those behavioral interview questions, they actually ask you specific things about what you really did. I definitely see people who have informal leadership experience in other, other areas and they make the most out of their nursing professions for sure. So I definitely think you have a head start in your career. I think that people need to look at nursing school a little differently. Um, people, like when I first started, like I said, I just really didn't take much thought to it. But like, if you think about it, you're entering a career and a professional organization, like a professional body. And a lot of times, like especially college students, you start the nursing program when you're two years out of high school if you're a traditional student, they don't really grasp that. So like the more career skills that you can acquire in that four years that you're in college, two years for ABN, whatever, you know, uh, nine months for LBN, you need to get whatever you can because there's always going to be someone that's getting what they can and you want to be as close to them as possible. I feel like people don't take advantage of the time that they have there and it's just, you know, especially if you are fortunate to be in an institution where you get those opportunities, I mean, take advantage of it because, you know, Amy and I just spoke with the assistant dean from the University of Texas in Austin and he, we talked a lot about that, about how, you know, business students get those opportunities 
And nursing students do in other ways, but we don't take advantage of that necessarily, or it's not a formalized process for us. Like we're not taught formal interviewing skills beyond our leadership classes, right? I think it's just, they're so like, level one, I was terrified so I can understand, but like they stay scared of being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah. uh, like, like I could time manage anything now. <laughs> and like, no one believes me, but I, I still slept a full eight hours almost every night, you know, and I still maintained a good GPA. Like I didn't just like die the past year. Right. I, it, it really like, it's just people make it out to be unmanageable. Therefore it's not manageable. If you just give it a little go, you'll be fine. <laughs> My next question for you was, why do you think there's a gap between being involved uh, in college and then joining professional organizations after you graduate? There seems to be this, you know, this excitement, or maybe it's just because they want those credit hours in the courts and, you know, whatever it may be. And then they, they enter their profession. And, you know, for, for me being, you know, on the board of TNA, sometimes it's very difficult because I'll get a wide range of student responses. I'll get the people who are really excited excited about it and want to continue on and then you know they get one year out two years out and they they don't see the value in being a part of a professional organization and so you know can you talk a little bit uh, about that you know and is there anything that we can do differently as nursing organizations from the very beginning to get people involved and to get them excited and engaged about why they need to be a part of organizations like TNA? I think that um for one, definitely the student part of it, it's all resume building and stuff, and they are getting that career knowledge, so when they hit the career field, they're more prepared, which is great, like, sure. seize that opportunity, but after that, I think it's mostly fatigue, and one thing that I've realized, too, is that a lot of nursing school is just all your conversations have to do with it. It consumes a lot more of your life than what's probably appropriate. So I think that the idea of them being a part of something that's not just going to work and going home is like, oh no, like I just got out of that situation where I like all, like my friends were my friends because of nursing school and my, like my conversations with my family was about how nursing school was going. And they're just really kind of excited to have connections and stuff outside of nursing. But that being said, we have the same problem with student organizations. So I can't imagine how bad it ripples into nursing organizations. I've learned that even if it may be superficial at the beginning, getting them there is what's important, like getting them to subscribe membership or to show up to a convention. I wouldn't say by whatever means necessary, but you need to, <laughs> you need to make it appealing to the masses. And then you find the ones that are driven, uh, know about the issues, and you can talk to them and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. But in order to get them there, it has to be well-known and it has to be coveted to go. Donica, me and Amy did a party at um, TNSA's convention. It wasn't business, you know, like we weren't talking about issues that are, I mean, there's plenty of relevant issues that are in nursing students' worlds right now, but it was just time to get them to say, oh my gosh, that was so much fun when they go back, back to school and maybe next year more people will come. At the end of the day, some people just need to relax and have a good time with people that know their own issues, like they know what they're going through. And that's what we were going for. And I really think it helped a lot with understanding like these people are human, just like you. They've worked in nursing, just like you. They know 
your struggles just as well as you do, but there's also avenues to like just enjoy each other's company. Definitely. And if, oh, first of all, I am really jealous I didn't get to go to this party. So it was I'm super fun. To... You should be yeah, so that's what I'm about. <laughs> So, um, Amy, we're going to talk later about how disappointed I am. <laughs> Sorry, Donica. But, <laughs> but also, you know, from what it sounds like, just to reflect back on what you're really saying is just not even, you know, identifying or speaking to each other in terms of nurse to nurse. It's like, I just want to talk to you as a human to a human and having that connection first and foremost, and then being able to broach the subject of professionalism and just what our profession is and building those bridges in that way. I think you guys have definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of how do you get people to be comfortable enough to talk about issues and that's really just making that connection on a personal level first and being able to relax and be comfortable because some of the stuff that we have to talk about as nurses is really uncomfortable (laughs) yeah I feel like I feel like no one's gonna sign up to have uncomfortable conversations and have debates all the time no Mm-mm. Right. Like they have enough stress. Like there's no point in then marketing that like, oh, we're going to get down to the, we're going to get down to the very root of it. We're going to figure out, I don't care if it takes all night, you know, we're going to get there. And then like, and then like oh man. <laughs> I've struggled with this my entire career because to get people to understand that I've sat in so many rooms with people on a professional level who still think that, you know, the, what's going to bring people in is that nursing information. It's that professional talk. And, you know, I go into those rooms and I say, no, people just want to have a conversation. And it's so funny to me because at the heart of nursing, that's what we do. That's what makes us America's most trusted profession is because we're able to have these really deep, engaging, you know, heart to heart conversations with our patients and we get them comfortable. And yet we struggle so much to market that in ourselves and to have, you know, these get togethers, you know, uh, and it, it doesn't have to be elaborate or take a lot of money. It's how can we just have events where the purpose of it is just to get to know each other and to talk more about each other. And then to your point, Rachel, then we may get some, some people involved at their comfort level. And Donna can, can tell you this, you know, I started my career off being involved in almost every organization under the sun. And she thought I was crazy. You know, while that was me and I enjoyed that involvement, not everyone was like that. And I struggled to find people my age who were going to do that, partly because it was compromising of time. And especially for our generations, I feel like time is very, very valuable. We take that sense outside of work very seriously. It was actually at the last conference for the Texas nursing students that I talked a little bit about my experience with work-life balance and how I had come to a point in my career where I got completely burnt out. And the pie graph example I gave was 99% of my life revolved around work. And then there was this, you know, 1% that That was was supposed to go to everything else, everything else. And it was interesting to me because a member of the audience, a professor, she said to me, she said, well, that's what a lot of baby boomers feel. And I said, well, that explains a lot, actually. (laughs) It explains why I was kind of raised in nursing the way that I was and where work-life balance wasn't something that was talked about. And I feel like now that there are a lot more millennials, younger nurses who are in the profession, we really are giving a lot of thought and insight into work-life balance because that's something that has to be put into nursing for us to really survive. And there's a lot of thought being put into how we do these events going forward for organizations like 
TNA because we can't approach it in the way we've always done it. It's just not going to work. You're not going to get members. You're not going to get people involved. Uh, we have to kind of go to where people are. And that may be that we don't do as many in-person meetings. A lot of it is much more casual. Uh, but, but that fits into people's lives. And, that, and that's okay. You know, at the end of the day, what's most important to, to me, you know, as a TNA board member is that, you know, we're understanding people's stories. And, and again, that's why Donica and I started this podcast is for the reason that you said, we just want to sit down and have conversations with people. We, you know, and if we end up talking about policy or, you know, shortages or whatever that professional topic may be, then great. But, you know, that's not the aim of this. The, the aim of this is to find out what nurses are doing and what they're experiencing and really have that underlying conversation that not a lot of people are, are wanting to tap into. Yeah, in the, in, in the, like, in the theme of TNA, someone listening can be like, oh my gosh, that happened to me, not even, like, a week ago, and then, so, like, for them to say, like, just realizing that it's a lot more relatable. Yeah, I will say, like, the root of engagement is just acknowledgement and validation of your experiences, right, so that's a whole lot of why we wanted to do this in the first place, because, you know, having the opposite experience of Amy, I was definitely, like, what you said, Rachel, I was done with nursing school. I didn't want to be engaged in anything for at least a year because I was just so burnt out from studying and as great of an experience that, as that was. Like, I just really wanted somebody to acknowledge the fact that, man, this is really hard. I want somebody to be able to talk to me about this. I'm seeing and experiencing these things in real life. And I want people to know that the problems that I'm seeing are the problems that they're seeing as well. And so you can't get to those conversations if you just don't even validate that experience at all. So jumping, like you said, straight into the problem, I don't know if that's really fixing anything because... I feel like all it does is just... It makes people frustrated. It just, it highlights that there's a problem. Right. And if anything, it like, it'll highlight that there's a problem. And then you'll talk with another nurse that also has the same problem. You're like, okay, well, if everybody has this problem, why is it not getting fixed? You're like, okay, well, we're all having the same problem. And you're just like, oh, well, okay, well, at least I know that now. At least I know we're all miserable. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's just, it's, it's a, it's a multifaceted answer, but that was my biggest goal for my presidency is just making it more approachable as people. Like, although you do need to be grown up by your junior and senior year of college, you're still a college student. I need a little bit of an on-ramp. Definitely. Especially when you can afford to give people an on ramp. And so you're part of the graduating class of 2020, Um, which is unique in many ways, especially amidst COVID. So tell us about the last couple of months of school and what it was like to complete nursing school under the constraints of, you know, our current situation, global pandemic. No biggie. It was literally like probably like the one of the biggest bummers of my life <laughs> so at first they're like okay it's not everybody chill out and then we left for spring break completely unknowingly that we weren't going to be coming back at all and they were like okay we're extending it we're ex- extending spring break and then it like it all progressed really weird it didn't really happen as a blanket you know like you hear about it from one college you're like oh god you know like what happens to my college you know and so I was actually at, I was taking community health and leadership and management. And for my school, leadership and management has just like whatever clinical you want to sign up for, you get put on a couple charge shifts. But other than that, you just kind of put, you put down where you want to go. 
and then so I'd already gotten done with that, so I didn't get to I didn't miss that, thank goodness, because I would have missed the last shifts and L and D that I'm gonna have for a while. I was doing community health clinicals. I was actually at the clinic and I got a text from my instructor that said I had to go home because um UT Tyler had stopped doing all in person clinicals. And I was like, Wait, what? Like <laughs> and, and then so I was like, Can I just like I had honestly, I had signed up to do clinicals because with all the TNSA stuff and National Student Nursing Association, I had a trip to Florida that I was planning on doing. So, I, like, my schedule was packed. So, for them to tell me, like, hey, all these clinicals you have scheduled, you can't go this week. And I was like, no, like, I don't, I don't have time to make it up, you know? Yeah. And then um, I had elected to even be at that clinical. And then they said, you have to go home. They're reevaluating if we're going to have clinicals anymore at all. And then so a lot of us were just really scared. Like it, it was, they talk about the disappointments of graduation and stuff, but for a minute there, we didn't even know if we were going to be eligible to graduate this semester. And then after that, I read a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, seriously, I read, um, I think I read seven different books that I had to get clinical hours for. All in all, I feel like I had it a lot simpler than other people. I know some people that were doing their leadership and management clinicals that had to do a bunch of online sims, which that I, I, I'm much more happy with my side books. And then <laughs> so I realized that I was going to graduate. About that time, I got the email that our pinning ceremony was canceled. Our graduation ceremony was canceled. Honestly, I was just like, I had, I had a job interview the next day. And I was just like, I just got on the couch and I just started like crying. I was like, dude, everything has just gone to ruin, you know, like all this stuff that I've been looking forward to for four years now, two years of hell on earth. And for me to be looking forward to all this and it's just not going to happen now. Up until this point, um, everything that I have planned to do has happened. I plan to go to college right out of high school. I plan to go into nursing school. I plan to graduate. And so all that has happened. And then for this was really frustrating. And it was probably one of the first times in my life that I had to deal with that. Life happens, as people say, you know, like it's just, it was absolutely out of my control both ways. Like I didn't make it happen and I also couldn't stop it. It's really hard to talk about it because I'm like other people have it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't lose my job. My boyfriend that I live with, we didn't lose, he didn't lose his job, so our household's fine. So it's really hard to get people to listen to how you have it bad when they don't know how they're going to feed their kids, right. you know? Right. So it's, it's really hard to even ask for sympathy when there's bigger stuff going on, you know? So I just kind of kept to myself, you know, I didn't really complain a whole lot. I just kind of like, well, what's next, you know? <laughs> but... I just knew that, like, out of all people that need it, it was not me that needed people's empathy or sympathy right now. Like, I, I, I'll be fine, you know. Like, I didn't get to walk the stage. It's okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, it was definitely not what I expected at all. You expect hiccups, but you don't yeah. expect the whole thing to, like, just crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. As you sit now and you think about starting your career in the midst of this pandemic, what impact has COVID really had on the beginnings of your career? Well, um, to break it down, I talked about how I was crying and then I had the job interview the next day. 
I drove down there. It was the dream job. It was exactly where I wanted to be on the map. It was exactly what floor I wanted to be in. It was just, you know, ideal pay. <laughs> and, um, it was great. You know, I drove, I drove four hours one way at an interview at nine and drove back four hours the same day because I couldn't afford to stay there overnight. They called me at 4.30 with the offer. And so I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Daniel, my boyfriend, he pulled up in the parking lot and I went outside and I was like crying. I was like, I got the job. Oh my God. Like <laughs> second time I ever cried happy tears. <laughs> Everybody I call, you know, I would try to talk to them and I just immediately, like, my voice just start breaking. I was super blessed. And I had a really, really good interaction with all the staff there. I actually interviewed with the ED and they had me talking. They asked me, they're like, hey, you applied to L&D. Tell us more about that. And with my response to that, they're like, no, you need to be an L&D. We're going to take you up there right now, and you're going to interview with the director. Like, it was an amazing, oh, wow. amazing interview experience. So after that, they're like, hey, we have to send off your paperwork. You'll get it back. A week went by, and I hadn't got my actual printed offer. And I was like, okay, like, let me just make a phone call. And, <laughs> and um, they're like, no, 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 we can't send it to you. We're changing the start date. If you were to sign it now and the start date's wrong, then you'd have to sign it again. Just hold off. And I'm like, okay, no, no problem, you know. The recruiter calls me at 8.30 p.m., which I thought was a good news thing. I guess now looking in hindsight, like, you, no one calls at 8.30 with good news that works at an 8 to 5 job. <laughs> she told me that the nurse residency was postponed indefinitely, and she couldn't tell me much else other than that. I don't really think that anybody that has had this issue has really even talked about it because, for one, you feel kind of embarrassed because like you had a job and now you don't and all your friends are starting their jobs and you are suddenly behind the ball. I didn't even post anything on Facebook, you know, like I didn't want to say anything. I just kind of waited, you know, and about that time I had gotten an interview set up for a job that I'd already applied to before I even went to my uh, the interview that I got the offer for. I called the recruiter and I was like, hey, I have an interview next week. I was hoping maybe you heard something and so I can cancel it. <laughs> and then she was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, I just want confirmation that I still like am hired there whenever this position picks up. And then she was like, oh, I'm sure, but I'd have to like, we're not, we're just really trying to evaluate things right now. So I didn't really get a solid answer, which made me super nervous. And for them to say like, oh, well, we're picking up with October cohort, you have to reapply and everything. I did not like that idea, you know, because I already did my, I don't, I don't know that they would ever do, do that, you know, but I, I just had no solid ground at all. Yeah. And I hadn't signed my paperwork, so I, I technically didn't work there. You know, it was just a verbal offer. Although I'm thankful for whatever position I get as a nursing graduate, I still have so much to learn. It's ridiculous. So for me to say that I am above or below any position is ridiculous. <laughs> so I put down the two floors that I was most interested in. And interestingly enough, they called me about 15 minutes before this interview to tell me that I have a offer from them as well. So I call the recruiter back and I tell her, hey, I have an offer from this place that I interviewed here in town that I told you about. I don't know what to tell them. They need to hear something from me very soon. And so she's getting back with me. <laughs> but I did absolutely everything I was supposed to school-wise. I put 110% in in clinicals. I did the Texas presidency for the nursing student organization. 
Like I had secured a great job. I had gotten into L&D as a new grad, which doesn't happen very often, you know, and I was yeah. super pumped for that. And as the tone of the recruiter that I just spoke with, I'm not entirely sure that that's going to be able to be my path anymore. With graduation being canceled, with pinning being canceled, all that, I still was like, dude, I have the dream job. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) Everything's fine, you know, because I got where I wanted to be. Like, all the stuff in the middle doesn't really matter anymore. And then after that fell off, I was like, all right, well, I have my dog. (laughs) So it's just kind of... It's really, it's super surprising. Like I said, like everything that I could possibly expected has just like, as soon as you touch it, it just falls apart. It feels like you're failing and you didn't even do anything wrong. It's not a feeling that I ever thought was possible, you know, but I do feel like I failed somehow, even though none of this had anything to do with me. So it's just a matter of gaining some perspective, gaining some patience, you know, and I've been waiting to hear back from either place for over a month now so like i i have loads of patients that i didn't have six months ago so you you grow as a person when there's a pandemic turns out so (laughs) everything's cool i'll i'll be working somewhere it's just a matter of restructuring your five-year plan (laughs) right right to kind of adapt to what what's in front of you you know well we were so sorry that you're in the predicament that you're in Mm -hmm. especially since you know a a lot of people who may be listening to this might be in the same position so I'm sure it's very um, encouraging for them to hear that you know you're working through it as much as it's not an ideal situation and it stinks yeah (laughs) yeah there's no other way to to, to, to I mean it does that's pretty much the synopsis that like everybody kept coming to. Like I'll, I'll explain it to him. Like, geez, I'm just like, yeah, man. Like my life's the pits. It's fine. Like, yeah, Donica and I were talking um, previous to the interview, and we were just in anticipation of talking to you and talking about like the class of 2020, especially nursing students. You know, and obviously that's what we're familiar with, and. Um, you know, the celebration that comes with graduating from four years because nursing school is its own beast. And I think anyone who has gone through it knows that. Uh, And it it will be interesting to see um, new nurses like yourself start out in their career and and truly the impact that this has. So what's your biggest piece of advice for those who are still in nursing school? I think the biggest thing that I would say is do not let it become who you are. Like, I think that there's so much of an emphasis in nursing that you're a nurse before you're a daughter, a mother, anything like that. And I've had this conversation with Amy, actually, and um, I feel like there's such an emphasis on it. You adopt it early on, and nursing school culture kind of caters to it to an extent of, no, 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 it doesn't matter what you have going on, you know? It doesn't matter. And so I would say just make sure that it's not your main identifier. Like you have other things going on in your life. And like I said before, not all of your conversations are about nursing school and not all the friends that you have are just because you're in the same classes with them and they do good on tests. (laughs) (laughs) So like, just make sure that you're diversified so you don't like, you don't look up. Cause I mean, this happened to me. Like I looked up level three 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like my whole life, my absolute whole life revolves around nursing school. 80% of the conversations I have with anybody pertain to nursing school or my job. That was the only other 20. (laughs) And so that was like, that was all me and my boyfriend talked about. That was all my mom wanted to talk about. And like, just realize that there's more to it. You can be other things than just be a nursing student and eventually just be a nurse. You're a person, you have other interests than just taking care of people and saving people. Like, although it's freaking awesome, <laughs> it's just, it's something that is an aspect. It's not the only thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's so, if that's, if that tagline, you know, don't make it your identity. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. First. Right. Right. And, and I think the other roles that you have in your life bring a lot of value to being a nurse. I mean, I do think it's very important to, to embrace those other aspects. You know, I'll be very honest. I struggled with that early on because nursing became everything I lived and breathed and that was it. And yeah, I mean, I had my life outside, but that was all like, I was still writing on that addiction (laughs) after nursing school. Uh, and it, it, it took a couple of years to get to the point where I stopped and said, this isn't, I mean, I love nursing and Donna can, can tell you, anyone can tell you, like, I love nursing so much. I'm very passionate about it, but there is so much to me and to other nurses than just being a nurse and embracing that and understanding that what makes you healthier. <laughs> yeah. Makes you a lot more sane. <laughs> makes you a lot more sane. Uh, and two, uh, just, you know, it makes you more well-rounded person and it makes you I think it it betters you as a nurse you know when you're connecting with patients that you're able to bring other aspects to your life some of the best nurses I've ever worked with on on the floor have been you know they have so many wide interests like travel and uh, painting or gardening and they're able to bring all those things into their life and they they talk about that with their patients and you know I'd always watch them in their interactions because those were the nurses that had the best patient engagements you know like those are the ones that got recognized by patients all the time and yeah they were awesome nurses but it was because they were bringing a little bit of themselves and really having like we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation a little bit of themselves into that conversation and really connecting with that patient because yeah the patient sees you as a nurse but they they want to know that you're a normal human being too and yeah nursing you know really excels uh, at the heart of it is because we're able to connect with people with what they're what they're doing um what they do outside of the hospital to help bring them some comfort in that really uncomfortable situation i mean if you think about it if you apply it to any other profession like anything else like i'm talking about like pizza like pizzeria maker or cop you know like anything like it's not normal (laughs) if you if you talked to a mailman that was just super super pumped about mail at all times and you know like this is their state job like they're gonna retire on a pension you know like it's great you know it's great they might love what they do they might love the people that they see every day but they don't have like a male tribute in their living room. Like you, like, you have to, like, separate, you know, just for the sake of, like, your own brain, you know. Nursing is work. It's literally what you get paid to do. So if you think of nursing all the time, your whole life just becomes about business, about work. I would say it's somewhat subconscious, but you can't. Well, I think what you both are touching on is that you're preventing burnout, right? Yeah. 
You don't want to burn yourself out mm-hmm. and, and just being obsessed with this. I mean, it's pretty amazing, but when that's all you can think about, of course, you know, that can only last for so long. So. Yeah, like if I have favorite songs, but, you know, if they come up on shuffle four times in a day, I'm starting to hit skip, you know, <laughs> like I still want to listen to the song. <laughs> it's just Your humanity first and like yourself first is very much more important than, because honestly, like in the long run, that's how you maintain. Our job is so hard, you know, mm-hmm. we see some really sad stuff. We do some really hard things. You're engaged for 12 hours a shift in some cases and, um, if you don't have a, a, an avenue to just disconnect and be able to connect to who you are and not necessarily your profession, there's just no way you can last in something that we do mm-hmm. um, for years and years and years. And we need people to stay in nursing for years and years and years. So yeah. that's, I think that's wonderful advice. And we really appreciate your insight on that. And for you to have that maturity to be able to share it with other students who will be in your position soon, I think that's definitely very valuable. So Thank you so much for really hitting me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you only have to look at it for a short amount of time to start noticing some trends and stuff. And I mean, y'all obviously know a lot more about it than I'm about to learn. But <laughs> like, Not I mean, much more. Not much, much more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even being in the profession for a year, two years, you, you're like, oh, yes. this is what they were talking about. <laughs> and yes. so I don't regret nursing at all. Like we talked about earlier, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. I think that y'all know that this is where you're supposed to be. It's just got some weird stuff, you know? <laughs> it's kind of a unique profession, you know? It like is. you got to be happy about that uniqueness, but also like, like hey, I'm like, you chill out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely have but, to grow for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We are so excited for you and your future. And we're excited about the conversation we had today. I think it's one that a lot of people needed to hear and the honesty of what was going on. So we appreciate that very much. Yeah. I'm so thankful for y'all to let me be able to do this. <laughs> it's like, I, I really feel like it was good for me to not only like to talk to somebody that understands, but just like get it out where people like I can like fully explain it, you know, and anybody listening to this is going to actually want to hear what I have to say. So I don't, I know I'm not boring anybody, <laughs> but I, I'm so thankful for y'all having me on the show and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Well, we are we're really excited to see where you go. So you just yes. have the bright future yes. ahead. And yes. well, Amy is like, like Amy's like stalking me. So she'll <laughs> 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 keep you posted. I am stalking you. I am stalking you to be a TNA member. So <laughs> well, I mean. I estimate probably June 14th, I'll know if I'm licensed or not, and I'll holler at you. (laughs) There you go, go, because the next question will be, so where's your TNA membership? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rachel, congratulations on graduation, and we hope the best for you. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for listening to our talk with Rachel Barbie today. Please join us next time on the Nurse Life Podcast as we interview Dr. Ernest Grant, President of the American Nurses Association.